Philippines chapter 3, verse 12 to 21. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on, if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Well, friends, it's a wonderful pleasure to preach this amazing passage from Philippians chapter 3. In fact, the whole of Philippians chapter 3 is a wonderful chapter in a wonderful letter that is full of joy and expounds the Christian gospel in such a clear and profound way. And last week, uh, as Jacob preached, we, we were reminded that we have a righteousness, that is a right standing before God, not based on our own achievements, but only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw Paul list his amazing spiritual resume, all these things that could maybe qualify him, yet he considered them, and the language actually says, pardon my French, complete crap. That is actually what the Bible says. And I really hope that you are somebody who had taken those words to heart, that you know for certain that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That you have been declared righteous by God through faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That all your sin, all your guilt, all your shame, all the punishment due for your sin, all the sin that you have done, will done, and perhaps are doing right now, all of that has been dealt completely by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Friends, that is the great news of the gospel. All our sin completely dealt with. Amen, John, you might say. But if that is true, why do I keep sinning? If I'm declared righteous and perfect in God's eyes, then why is there still sin in my life? If I'm forgiven from sin, why do I keep doing it? 
How can I, at the same time, be right with God and at the same time be a sinner? I think I've got a slide that captures that tension for us. How can I be a sinner or a saint at the same time? Uh, For those from Melbourne, any correlation with a Collingwood player being a sinner uh, is completely intentional. So which which one of these two players are we? Are we the saint or are we the sinner? It's a really good question and it's a question which Christians have wrestled with. Are Christians meant to be perfect? Are we called to be perfect? And if so, is that even possible? And how on earth do we get there? Well, friends, the Bible gives us the answer. Guess what? Simultaneously, you are right with God and at the same time struggle with sin. That is the Christian life. Right with God and at the same time a sinner. How on earth is that possible? How can you be both players at the same time in that picture? Well, the answer is Philippians chapter 3. Or as I call it, the Philippians 3 dynamic. The Philippians 3 dynamic. I think uh, Philippians 3 is one of the best texts we have in Scripture that help us understand the present Christian life. How do we deal with sin as followers of Jesus? How do we mature as Christians, as followers of Jesus? And the first thing we need to understand is this key dynamic, that Christian maturity, becoming holy, becoming more like Jesus, is a direction and not a destination. It's a direction, not a destination. Have a look at verse 12 with me. Paul writes here, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, or what it literally says there, or have been perfected. I've not got that yet. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. See, what Paul is saying to us and to this church is, Christians are not perfect, but they are not stationary. Notice Paul presses on as Christ has already made me his own. See, Paul is saying, I am already Christ's. I already belong to him. Therefore, I make it my own. Not not in order to become Christ's. No, because I already am Christ's. I'm living out what I already am. And so the first question I have for you is, is this you? Have you kind of worked out this Philippians 3 dynamic? Do you know that Christ Jesus has made you his own? He's taken hold of you. You are 100% righteous that you can stand before God with confidence, absolute integrity, knowing that there is no sin in your life that Christ's death has not dealt with. Yes, you may be someone who sins, but in the eyes of God, look at the language, you are cradled in Christ's hands. It's a wonderful and beautiful and, dare I say, intimate picture of a loving parent with a precious child. The Lord Jesus holds you in his hands. 
We are united with Christ. Completely righteous, no condemnation. And then in verse 15, Paul goes on to say, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Now, we kind of missed it, but Paul is having a bit of a joke at the expense of the Philippians using language. Uh, That word mature there is the same word as the word for perfect or make complete in verse 12. Remember in verse 12, Paul was saying, not that I've already obtained perfection, I still press on. In verse 15, Paul is then saying, well, those who are mature like me should take the same uh, same view, and I'm not mature. In other words, Paul's saying, a mature Christian is someone who knows that they're not mature. The perfect Christian is the Christian who knows they're not perfect. That's the Philippians 3 dynamic. It's what John Newton so clearly put. John Newton, the famous hymn writer, arguably wrote the most amazing hymn, Amazing Grace. He said this, uh, and it's good because most of you are young, so you can relate to the first half of this question probably quite well. He says, when I was young, I was sure of many things, right? There's a few hands going up internally. I can, yes, yes. Now, as I'm old, I'm sure of only two things. That I am a miserable sinner, and the other, that Christ is an all-sufficient saviour. He is well taught who learns these two lessons. They're the two great truths in the Philippians 12 dynamic. I've got a little picture here. Now, this is a great picture because I did this using what was called clip art. Now, you study this in history, (laughs) ancient history, potentially. See the pixelation, 8-bit, right? This was state-of-the-art drawing skills when I was your age. So just bear with me. It's a bit of retro for, you know, keeping it cool. Uh, The Christian life is not the arrow hitting the target on the left. I've made it. The Christian life, the Philippians 3 dynamic, is the picture on the right, heading towards the target. It's a direction. Becoming more like Christ, day by day, week by week, year by year. It's a direction, not a destination. This is what Christians, with the the fancy word, is sanctification, if you like big words. Being made holy, growing as a Christian, maturing as a Christian, all these things mean the same thing. It's echoed in verse 16, where Paul just says, let us live up to what we've already attained. What have we attained? Righteousness. Well, let's live up to it. Not in order to win righteousness, no, we've already got that. No, in light of that fact, we press on to be sanctified. And what this means is there's a real sense in which the Christian life is an ongoing journey and process as you get closer and closer to that target. Yes, you do, I hope and I pray, move closer and closer to that target. There are sins in your life that you deal with, with the, with the work, with the help of God. But what, what one of the kind of insights is, as you mature, you realize the target is further away. I remember speaking to a, a, an archbishop visited our church and I was just started out uh, as a new curate 
And I said, Archbishop, do you have any advice for, as an Archbishop who's done ministry for many years? And he said, yes, John. As you get older, you'll realize you are more sinful. It's hardly what you call inspiring. But it was really important. As you grow, you realize that there are parts of your life you didn't even realize were there that you needed to deal with. And I think as you go through life, there'll, there'll be kind of key moments, key changes. Perhaps it's when you leave home for the first time and you learn what it means to live with people who don't do all the cleaning and washing up for you. For the, you know, the dishes don't just magically clean themselves. It's just, what, what's going on? My clothes have remained smelly and unwashed. How do, you, how do you learn to live and love people who are not your parents and don't do all those things for you? When you start your first job, there's another point. What do you do with a boss who's just not nice to you? When you're at the bottom of the rung and get all the bad jobs, you realize, well, there's a new part of me I'm going to have to do with and your selfishness. Let me tell you, a big one is when you have kids for the first time. Man, I plumbed new depths of selfishness when I had kids that I didn't realize was there. Through each of these stages of life, you will come across new parts of yourself that will need sanctification, new challenges. And the important thing to, is to stress that ongoing process. Keep the direction towards Christ. See, God in his grace seldom shows us all of our needs at once. It would be overwhelming. And so he graciously reveals it to it uh, bit by bit, stage by stage. Christian maturity is a direction and not a destination. Well, secondly, we see that Paul teaches us that Christian maturity must be intentional rather than accidental. Intentional rather than accidental. See, if we're to focus on a target... It means our maturity must ha have, a, have an engine that's driving it towards there. In other words, you can't just go along with the vibe. Or as my teenage kids say, be vibing. I don't know if that's a thing, but that's what they say. I'm getting, getting some nods. I'm not trying to be cool with the peeps, as they say. That's their words. You can't just be vibing. It requires active determined, intentional effort. Not just accidental. Look at the urgency of the language that Paul uses. What does he do? Does he lay back? No. He presses on. He strains forward. He presses on. He lives up to. They're very active words. So when it comes to dealing with sin in our life and maturing, it's really a two-step process. And the first step is identifying those areas of our life where we need to mature spiritually. Now, at one level, this is relatively easy because our conscience will often prick us. Do you have a challenge with telling the truth? Or with uh, overtly worrying too much? or with putting other people down, or with pride, or with anger, or with treating women badly, or a lack of contentment, or greed, or selfishness, or gossiping. Where are you spiritually immature? 
And we tend to focus on the things we're good at and, and kind of downplay the things that we're bad at. Yes, I'm generous with my money, but I'm not generous with my prayer. I'm very slow to get angry, but I'm very quick to feel superior, partly because I'm slow to get angry, unlike those other people who get angry very quickly. See how it works? See, friends, it's really, really important that you identify with intentionality where you need to grow spiritually. But it's not enough to stop there and just imagine that by breathing and getting older, those things will change. What will happen is you'll be, God willing, a breathing but immature 80-year-old. The question is, what are you going to do to deal with those things? Intentionally. What are you going to do? What, what will you commit to working on this week? Not just, I'll worry about it when my degree's finished. No, this week. What will you press on to pursue this week? Pick one thing. That's the challenge. Just one thing. What will you do to address it? Don't wait for a crisis. It's intentional, not accidental. Well, thirdly, we see that Paul encourages teamwork and not just being mere individuals. Notice in verse 17, Paul uh, stresses the importance of community. Community is so important in helping us to mature, to grow in Christ, to sanctify. Join together, he says, in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have a model, uh, us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. It's a really key way to grow in your knowledge and love of Jesus, to keep focused on the target, to be intentional, is to do it in community. Christianity is a team sport. It's a team sport, not an individual sport. And Paul reminds us here that Christian maturity is caught as much as it is taught. Yes, we need to be taught from God's word. Absolutely, that's the starting point. But to have models of Christian maturity is absolutely crucial as well. See, how does a young woman who's just finished university and has her first job, how does she deal with those challenges and negotiate what that means? She looks to another woman who's done that already and sits down and has a talk and says, Look, how do you deal with that? What about a young husband who's trying to work out what it means to love his wife with chronic fatigue? He looks to the example of another man who's loved his wife through many years of illness. What about a student who is struggling with university and their parents' expectations? They speak and see how someone else has done it before them. See, friends, we need younger Christians and older Christians to kind of interact together. Younger Christians are fantastic. They are full of spiritual vitality, which is many of you here, full of spiritual vitality. 
Though young Christians also need years to kind of temper that and have a maturity and stability and wisdom. And so if you are a younger Christian, you have a great responsibility. That is to encourage us old people to have spiritual vigor. Give us a, a kick up the pants. Say, come on. Don't give up. Stop. Don't do nothing. Where's your passion? Where's your excitement for following Jesus? That's your responsibility. It's a great responsibility. Older Christians are also often full of wisdom and knowledge and have been there and done that and got the T-shirt. And so if you are an older Christian, be aware you don't get to choose to be a role model or not. You are a role model. You are there to offer wisdom and guidance. That is your great responsibility. And this only happens, of course, if we can meet together in person and mix and be that encouragement and be that role model. So who are you going to do that with? Who are you going to offer that that vitality and encouragement to? Who are you going to offer that wisdom and guidance to? Because it won't happen accidentally. It needs to be intentionally. And this is the beauty of church. We've prearranged it so everyone turns up. Isn't that great? This is the beauty of our small groups and our prayer meetings and and meals afterwards is to allow these things to happen. The beauty of community. Teamwork, not individualism. Well, fourthly, Christian maturity is something we do do for ourselves but not something we do by ourselves. I'll explain what I mean by that. What I mean is at the heart of of our growth in Christ is that it is the work of his spirit in our lives. Notice in verses 18 and 19, Paul speaks of those whose minds are set on earthly things. That's where they belong to. That's what they're thinking of. And then in verse 20, he, he offers a contrast. He says, but... Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just a reminder, Philippi, by the way, was part of the Roman Empire, and the city of Philippi were extremely proud of the fact that they were citizens of Rome. In fact, they called their city Little Rome. They were so obsessed with Rome. They dressed like Romans. They had their architecture like Romans. They spoke like... They were just obsessed. They were proud citizens of Rome. And to be a citizen, it's not just where you belong, it's also who you represent. We see that in sporting events or the Olympics, like Ash Barty is a a fantastic citizen of Australia, not just because she belongs, that's where she's from, but because she represents Australia so well. That's what a citizen does. And notice that here, our citizenship is in heaven. In other words, we don't just belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, which we certainly do, we also represent him. You also represent the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what your citizenship means. Now, before COVID, or BC, as I now refer to it, if you can think that far back, in fact, it was two years today that we put our sign up for the first time saying, live stream only, 
I thought six to eight weeks, it'll all be over. I'm still thinking that, six to eight weeks, it'll all be over. Anyway, one of the things you could do as you went down Ligon Street uh, was get one of the many, many gelato places, right? And what they would often do is they had these little colourful spoons, very small, and you would say to them, look, I'd like a taste of uh, the fudge, uh, uh, the, the, the rocky road and the cookies and cream. And they'd give you the, the little spoons and you, you would taste it. And my son worked out pretty quickly that you could just keep asking for samples, right? He was cute and younger at the time and so it was part of the way of as we moved to Sydney saying, yes, this is, this is what every single Melbourne uh, meal is like. You get gelato at every meal. Uh, and that the idea of that is you get a little taste of what your three scoops are going to taste like in the future, right? It's a little taste of the future. Wow, you think, this is amazing. I need to have more of this. And friends, that is what our behaviour as Christians is like. It's to give a little foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth. In fact, it's, it's a bit like time travel. We're bringing what, what it's like to be in the future here right now. What it will be like in the new heavens and the new earth when everything's perfect and people love and care for each other without problems, that is what we're trying to show now. A foretaste of God's kingdom. And notice what Paul says in verse 21. Who, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. See, what Paul is promising here is that Jesus' transforming work, maturing work in making us more like Jesus will reach such a maturity that not only will there be no no presence of sin in our lives, our very bodies, our bodies that, that bear the cost of sin, as they break down and age and get ill and die, death itself will stop. That is how radically transformed we will be. That's perfection. That's when you hit the target. See, Christian maturity is a full body experience. Those of us who wear glasses, well, guess what? We won't need them. Praise the Lord for that, right? Because the mask and the glasses thing, it drives you crazy, right? Someone this morning was sharing that they love singing but are terrible at it. Guess what? You'll be great at singing. We'll all be, we'll all be up the front, right? There'll be no one in here that all be, just the whole of, of God's creation singing praise. That's what it says in the Bible. In tune, perfectly. It, it's a picture of perfection. That is God's transforming work in us. In other words, our maturity is for ourselves, but it's not by ourselves. God's spirit is at work. Uh, Anthony Hokema is a Dutch theologian, and he says this, Christian maturity or sanctification is that gracious operation of the Holy Spirit involving our responsible participation by which he delivers us as justified sinners from the pollution of sin, renews our entire nature according to the image of God, and enables us to live lives that are pleasing to him. Friends, you can live a life that is pleasing to God. That is the Spirit's work in your life. This is the wonderful truth of Philippians 3. 
You have been justified. You are righteous. The penalty for your sins has been paid for. That is Christ's work for you, on your behalf. And friends, we are being sanctified, delivered from the power and pollution of sin. That is Christ's work in you. And friends, we will be glorified, entirely removed from the presence of sin, resurrected, perfect people. That is Christ's promise to you. And so, friends, my prayer is that as Uni Church and as St. Jude's and as God's people, together we press on towards that goal to win that prize to which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. In a moment, we're going to sing a song that reminds us that we belong to that day that is to come, that that is our citizenship. And we are to live that out as a foretaste. Now, before we do, let me pray for us that we, like Paul, would press on towards that glorious prize which Christ has won for us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that the Lord Jesus Christ has already taken hold of us, that we are already His, that we are already righteous because of his death and resurrection. Father, help each and every one of us to press on and take hold of that, to pursue righteousness because we are already righteous, to be intentional rather than accidental, to encourage each, uh, each other rather than focus just on ourselves. And to know that this is your work in us and for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.